My subject this morning is simply all truth. Have you ever tried to prepare someone for something that was coming down the road? Prepare children for different events they may encounter during their school years as they grow. Prepare young people as they head off to college and or start different aspects of their adult life. Something that's in the front of my mind that my son has gotten engaged and I've done with many young couples. Prepare a young couple as they desire to get married. Preparing as a couple for a family, life with children, buying a home for retirement. We spend a great amount of time and a great amount of effort not only trying to prepare ourselves for the days ahead, but hopefully trying to prepare others, especially those close to us. We'd like them to learn from our experiences, especially when those those experiences have been mistakes. I've told my sons always, you can learn from mistakes and they don't always have to be your mistakes. You can learn from the mistakes of others. A few weeks ago, we celebrated the two greatest moments in the history of this world. What the church is often called Good Friday when Jesus paid the price for our sins and he paid the price in full. And then Resurrection Sunday, when Jesus demonstrated for all the world to see, for all time, his power and authority over sin, death, and the grave. But leading up to those two events, Jesus did what he could to prepare his disciples for these two events. He told them that they were, as they were heading into Jerusalem, what was about to happen, that the Son of Man would be betrayed. He told them that he would be tortured and that he would be falsely accused and that he would be crucified. He told them that when this moment came, they would all scatter. And they said, no, I'll never leave you. And they did. Yet the gospel narratives give the impression for some reason that somehow they seem to have been taken by surprise as everything started to unfold. But not only did Jesus prepare them for what would happen leading up to his crucifixion and the resurrection, but he also tried to prepare them for what would come afterwards, after he rose from the dead. John chapter 16, I'll begin reading in verse number 5. But now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, Sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. And he will glorify me, for he will take what 
is mine, take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Again, I want to talk today about all truth. Jesus told them before his death that he would come back again and then he would go away again. But he tells them that when he goes away again, he's not going to leave them alone. He would send the helper. Some of your translations might say the counselor. Of course, this helper is the Holy Spirit. And in this passage, the Holy Spirit is said to be the one who will, in verse 8, convict the world. Not just convict the disciples, not just convict a select group, not just convict the followers. He will convict the world. And that that word world there literally means cosmos, everything. And it includes everybody, saved or not. All humanity will be convicted. All humanity will be convinced. All humanity will be told what the facts are. Whether they follow them or not, that's up to them. But everything will be coming from this Holy Spirit, this counselor, this comforter, this helper, who is being sent from Jesus to convict the world. And he lists three specific areas of sin, of righteousness, And of judgment. Aren't you glad and we can be so grateful that no matter how messed up this world is, that the Holy Spirit is still about the business today of trying to convince the world of what God's ways are and what is the best thing for them. Now, why would God go to all this trouble? Why would he spend all this time, especially in our day when it seems that so many people want nothing to do with God? Why would the Holy Spirit bother? 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 9. The Lord is not slacking concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The God that you and I serve is long-suffering. Someone needs to say amen to that. Aren't you glad God is long-suffering? He put up with you and me. You and I then can put up with other people. Pastor, what do you mean he put up with me? I'm wonderful. Uh Uh-huh. It's clear one of the fruit of the spirit, one of the categories, is long-suffering. And God has been long-suffering with you and me and will be long-suffering with the world. God wants everyone to experience that fellowship and intimate communion that he offers to his people. This is why the Holy Spirit is still at work today. And this truth is not just general truth. He's not coming into the world to convince the world that 2 plus 2 is 4. He's coming into the world to convince the world that Jesus is Lord, that the cross means something specific, that the cross is not a place of defeat, but a place of victory. He wants to guide and convict the world of all truth. But he mentions three areas. The first one is convict the world of sin. 
He will come to convince the world that sin is real. It is not some social construct. It is not some human invention. It is not just something that we've become accustomed to. Sin is real. Sin is not just wrong against one another, although that can involve sin. Because ultimately, hurting God is the only thing that matters anyway. And nowhere in Scripture, nowhere in the Bible, will you ever find the idea that God has a do-whatever-you-want attitude. So the news flash for everyone is it's not okay to hurt God. And since it's not okay, the Holy Spirit is about the business of convincing the world. That includes the church making the case that sin is real and that sin is real bad and that it's still bad. But that was written so long ago. We're in the 21st century. We are enlightened. Never has such darkness been called enlightenment. Most people in the world today really don't care whether or not they hurt God. That's something we in the church must care about. Our attitudes, our thoughts need to keep this desire in mind. Lord, I don't want to hurt you. Now, will you and I hurt him? Yeah, we will. We're not perfect. We let him down. We stumble sometimes. But you know what? Better my imperfections be what hurts God or my not having attained where I need to be hurt God than a lazy attitude that has whatever comes my way and do whatever mindset. The Holy Spirit is in the world today to convince, to convict, to make it clear to the world that sin is real and to stop it. And not just that what is wrong that wrong exists. Well, that might be wrong to you, but it's not wrong to me. And after all, right and wrong are subjective terms. No, right and wrong are biblical terms. God is right and everything else is wrong. But I do things my own way. That's part of the problem. The Holy Spirit is here to convict the world of sin. That seems to me to be, from a legal perspective, an easy conviction. We are a sinful people. The second thing he goes and says is that he will convict the world of righteousness. Now, on the forefront, that is about the standard of righteousness, which there's only one standard, and his name is Jesus. 
But in nearly any Bible dictionary you look at, when it translates righteousness, the idea comes not just of what the standard is, but of a right relationship with God, with one another. God wants a relationship with you. Like the old song says, he wants to walk with you and talk with you. He wants to be an active and real presence in each and every day. God is not just looking for an invitation on special occasions. He's not just looking to be invited to Christmas dinner or Easter brunch. He's looking to be an everyday part of your life every moment that you're breathing. And if you're breathing, say amen. amen. So glad everybody said that. <laughs> He wants to be there. God is not off in some distant land just kind of marking time. The Holy Spirit was sent into the world to let them know that with Jesus, loneliness and emptiness can be a thing of the past. He wants to convince you that God is enough. Now, I want to balance this with this amazingly profound statement. You need other people. End of profound statement. Anyone who tells you or preaches that all you need is God and no one else needs to find a Bible and start reading it. If you believe that these are the end times, if you believe that these are the last days, if you believe that the Lord's return is imminent, then there's a simple biblical way to prove it. Hebrews chapter 10, I begin reading in verse number 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who, is, who promised is faithful. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. This was given in the first century. We see the day approaching. The evidence is compelling all around us. The proof that we believe it is how much the more we gather. Then we need to live this. And what I see in the body of Christ is people getting together less. God longs for a deep relationship with you. And he wants to inspire a deep relationship among us. He wants us to know that the standard for righteousness has been Jesus all the time. He is our standard, people. And that is a standard that we can never live up to on our own. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. And we need that relationship. You know, I know these last couple of years have been difficult. Many have been given tremendous amounts of opportunity to give into anxieties as different things have happened from the beginning of the pandemic to when we were all in lockdown. Never really even liked that term. It sounded way too prison-like that we were in lockdown. And then things began to improve and things seemed to be better. But some people are still in their minds and in their hearts in lockdown. And they need to know that the Holy Spirit wants to convince them that it's okay to come out. 
It's okay to be part of the body of Christ. It's okay to be part of God's people. It's okay to gather with those of like faith and proclaim the goodness of God. So many who, when they went into lockdown, really it became an excuse for something they've experienced in their life and years prior. They may have been hurt in the church. They may have been upset by things going on in the church. Here's another news flash and profound statement. The church is made up of messed up people. Messed up people. You're all wonderful. You're all beautiful. You're all messed up. And so am I. Completely messed up. That's why we're here. So that we can gather together. But I can follow Jesus on my own. Found that, find that for me in the Bible. Even when Jesus sent his disciples out in ministry, he didn't send them out alone. It was two by two. He wants us to be together, especially if you as a Christian believe the day is soon. Well, I want to just be off alone by myself when Jesus comes. I want him to be able to find me. Oh, come on, people. He's God. He can find you. He came to convict the world of sin and of righteousness. And he came to convict the world of judgment. And he clarifies that statement by saying that, the, that Satan has been judged and been defeated. God wants to convince the world of what good judgment and justice look like. Judgment should not be selective. Judgment should not be preferential. And judgment should not be based on how I feel. Because Romans chapter 2 verse 11 says that God shows no partiality and neither should his people. Shouldn't have to matter what it looks like. Shouldn't matter, uh, shouldn't matter how someone votes. It shouldn't matter how they were brought up or what they've done. Also, the Holy Spirit wants all humanity to know that we are one. But in keeping in the direct context of what Jesus said to his disciples, the Holy Spirit wants to convince the world and sadly still has to convince the church that Satan is defeated. He cannot hurt me. You know, there are so many times on my job when something will happen and then we'll fix it. We'll gather together as a team and we'll address an issue. Maybe it's something going wrong with different computers within the environment or different things on people's mobile devices and we'll fix it. And it will have taken a long time to fix it. But we finally get it fixed. And I'll say, great, we can then go ahead and mark the case closed. And some will say, don't mark it closed, that'll jinx it. Give me a break. That'll jinx it? Really? Satan is defeated. I am a child of God. All he can do is make noise. Now the Bible does say that he is like a roaring lion going around seeking whom he may devour. But church, he is a lion who has been detoothed and declawed. He is nothing. He makes noise. 
but he has been defeated. He has been found guilty. He has been judged, as will anyone who follows him. So it matters. it's not about him. It's about who do we follow. Well, I'm not following the devil. Are you following Jesus? No. Then you're following the devil. The Holy Spirit is about the business of convincing the world and convincing the church that we are not timid, nothing people. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are overcomers. And the verse we all know from 1 John 4, verse 4, you are of God, little children, and then overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. I don't have to fear the enemy. I don't have to fear what he can do to me. I don't have to fear what he says about me. I don't have to fear how he influences those who follow him. I serve a risen Savior today. I serve Jesus. The beginning of that verse in 1 John chapter 4 says, you are of God. Church, you are of God. You are special in his sight. When God, I was going to say when God opens up his wallet, your picture's in it. When God unlocks his phone, your picture is in it. Jesus said that he still had many things to teach them, but that the disciples weren't ready to hear it. They weren't ready to take it in in verse 12. But that he would send the spirit of truth. That he will, that spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, will lead them and guide them into all truth. And since the Holy Spirit is in the business of convicting the world of all truth, and his desire is to lead them and us into all truth, then our desire needs to be to walk in all truth. All truth according to God, which is the only truth that there is. I'm not interested what is truth to this culture. I'm not interested what is truth to a political party. I am not interested in what is truth to, a, to an opinion poll. I am interested in what is truth by thus saith the Lord. I'm not interested in how the world feels about defining marriage how does God define marriage I'm not interested in what the world says when life begins where does God say when life begins all truth God's truth so we want to let the spirit guide us into what breaks his heart into what brings joy to his heart let the Spirit guide us into a right relationship with him. Let the Spirit guide us into understanding that the devil is my enemy, but he really is a pathetic enemy. He's done. He's defeated. He's judged. That means since he's defeated, you are a winner. You know, I officiated sports for many years. And I had the opportunity to officiate in various playoff games or tournaments. And there were always those times when you can tell when a team walked on the field when they felt they had already won. 
They had this air about them. Many would call it swagger. Many would call it being stuck up, but that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> but they had this air about them, this confidence. They still played the game. They still had to walk through the steps. They still had to do the things right to prove that there was any reason to have that confidence, but they knew they were winners. Church, you're a winner. No matter what this world says about the church, no matter what the world says about Christianity, no matter what the world says about Christian truth, you and I, in following Jesus, are winners. We're overcomers. We are champions because of Jesus. The world may try and relegate the Christian voice to, to a back seat somewhere, but we stand firm. Our God is the only God, and he's coming back again one day. And my enemy is a defeated, toothless, clawless lion. Even though he's a big lion, it almost makes you want to go up to him and say, Here, kitty, kitty. Because he's toothless. He's clawless. All he can do is make noise, is lie about you. You can combat lies with truth, with truth. You're nothing. I am a child of the king. You're not perfect. Jesus is. And when God looks at me, that's all he sees. But you have many sins in your life. They are covered under the blood of Jesus Christ. But you don't measure up each and every day. That's why I go to my prayer closet and say, Lord, forgive me each and every day. And he cleanses me from all sin. When we do these things, then the words of Jesus in John chapter 8 have deeper meaning where he says... Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. If there's anything that is clear, if people would just be objective about looking at our culture today, is that we live in a culture of bondage. Bondage. Mental bondage. Uh, relational bondage, societal bondage, opinion bondage. Well, I don't want to make anybody mad. I'm not trying to make anybody mad either. I'm just trying to tell the truth. But if I tell the truth, people will get mad. I'm sorry that people have become so accustomed to lies. But I'm going to stand and walk in truth. No, I'm not going to get upset if we're trying to get something done and we close a case. It might jinx it. You might be superstitious. No, I'm not. I serve a God who's alive today. And he wants to set people free. And the best way I can help them see about their freedom is to walk in mine. Walk in mine. You know, I'm thinking about my son's getting engaged and and they're looking at different places we have so many traditions and in humanity and one of them related to weddings is on the day of the wedding that wonderful day when the marriage will be formalized it's bad luck to see the bride before the wedding please 
please. If you're going to do something or not do something, there'd better be a whole better reason than it's bad luck. That is nonsense. Total nonsense. It's not truth. And we need to walk in truth. Now, if you want to preserve the moment, preserve that image of seeing the bride for the first time, fine. Not because it's bad luck. You might jinx things. Oh, really? If seeing the bride before the wedding is going to hurt your marriage, those two people should not get married. If that's what's going to do you in and take you down, you are not ready to walk down that aisle. You can see how I feel about people saying it's bad luck for anything. They need to be set free. That starts with us first. Have we been set free? Have we embraced all truth? And there's a great truth we're going to celebrate now. Jesus died for you and me. He died for our sins. Hopefully on your way in, you picked up a communion set. If not, we can get you one. Just raise your hand. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back.